Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. So Father Almighty God, we ask tonight that Father, by your grace and by your favor, that you open your word once more. We ask for grace. We ask that you teach us. We ask that you make tonight simple. Let tonight have an impact, my Father, an impact that changes the lives of all those who are present and all those who are here. Eternal Rock of Ages, the all-seeing and the all-knowing God, thank you. Thank you for the last weeks. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for each and every person present. In Jesus' most holy name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, today um, we're going to start a new series um, and we're going to be going for the next few weeks and we're going to go through the book of Philippians. And so that's going to be fun. So we're going to go into the New Testament. We're going to go into through the book of Philippians. We're going to go um, pretty much chapter by chapter, but at times we may we may get through some of the big themes in the chapters um, and then we'll move on, we'll do a little bit more. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a lovely book. It's a lovely, lovely book of the Bible, four chapters, but they are packed with so many things, so, so many things um, that we want to talk about. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I will do um, as we start is I will read from the Bible. And if you want to follow along, Although I will be reading um, from the Bible in basic English. Now, that's one of the easier to read versions of the Bible. It's a lovely Bible. If you're following along, you can read in the Common English version. You can read along in the New King James version. Um, you can read along in pretty much any version at all. You'll see all the differences pop up um, as we go along. But because we're going to be reading through a lot of scripture, so what I'll do is I'll use the Bible in basic English. So we've got about 10 minutes before we take our declarations. And so it's, it gives us um, gives us a nice time to read through the scripture. So I'm gonna read from Philippians 1, um, Philippians chapter one. And please read along if you can. Um, please read along, it's gonna be quite exciting. And then we'll talk through the big themes. And then, um, We'll try and only, so we'll try and get everything wrapped up. So at about 7.45, we'll stop and we'll take questions um, up till eight o'clock and we'll go on from there. God will be kind to you. So let's read, let's read the Bible. Philippians 1 verse 1, and I'm going to read. The Bible says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. So I'm in the Bible in basic English. So please read along in any version that is easy to read for you. Just please feel free to read along. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus of Philippi, with bishops and deacons of the church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give praise to my God at every memory of you and in all my prayers for you all, making my requests with joy. Because of your help in giving the good news from the first day till now, for I am certain of this very thing, that he by whom the good work was started in you will make it complete till the day of Jesus Christ. So it is right for me to take thought of you all in this way. Because I have you in my heart, for in my chains and in my arguments before the judges in support of the good news, making clear that it is true and you all have a part with me in grace. For God is my witness, how my love goes out to you all in the loving mercies of Christ Jesus. And my prayer is that you may be increased more and more in knowledge and experience, so that you may give your approval to the best things, that you may be true and without wrongdoing till the day of Christ, being full of the fruits of righteousness, which are through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you are just joining, we're reading through the book of um, Philippians. I am at verse 12 now. So if, if so, so just to keep you um, um, all in together. 
Philippians 1 verse 12. Now it is my purpose to make clear to you, brothers, that the cause of the good news has been helped by my experiences so that it became clear through all the praetorium and to all the rest that I was a prisoner on account of Christ. And most of the brothers in the Lord taking heart because of my chains are all the stronger to give the word of God without fear. And though some are preaching Christ out of envy and competition, others do it out of a good heart. These do it from love, conscious that I am responsible for the cause of the good news. But those are preaching Christ in a spirit of competition, not from their heart, but with the purpose of giving me pain in my prison. What then? Only that in every way, falsely or truly, the preaching of Christ goes on. And in this, I am glad and will be glad. For I am conscious that this will be for my salvation through your prayer and the giving out of the stored wealth of the spirit of Jesus Christ. In the measure of my strong hope and belief that in nothing will I be put to shame, but that without fear as at all times, so now will Christ have glory in my body by life or by death. For to me, life is Christ and death is profit. But if I go on living in the flesh, if this is the fruit of my work, then I do not see what decision to make. I am in a hard position between the two. Having a desire to go away and be with Christ, which is very much better. Still, to go on in the flesh is more necessary because of you. And being certain of this, I am conscious that I will go on, yes, and go on with you all for your growth and joy in the faith, so that your pride in me may be increased in Christ Jesus through my being present with you again. Only let your behavior do credit to the good news of Christ. So that if I come and see you, or if I am away from you, I may have news of you that you are strong in one spirit, working together with one soul for the faith of the good news. Having no fear of those who are against us, against you, which is a clear sign of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Because to you it has been given in the cause of Christ, not only to have faith in him, but to undergo pain on his account, fighting the same fight which you saw in me and now have word of me. Let me read, ladies and gentlemen, let me read on to, I'm going to read Philippians 2 and I'm going to stop at verse 12. I'm going to stop at verse 11, verse 11. And the Bible says, so if we get there today, we've read it, so we don't have to read it again. The Bible says, if there is any comfort in Christ, any help given by love, any uniting of hearts in the spirit, any loving mercies and pity, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in harmony and of one mind. Do nothing through envy or through pride, but with low thoughts of self, let everyone take others to be better than himself. Not looking everyone to his private good, but keeping in mind the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, to whom, though himself in the form of God, it did not seem that to take for oneself was to be like God, but he made himself as nothing, taking the form of a servant, being made like men. And being seen in form as a man, he took the lowest place and let himself be put to death, even the death of the cross. For this reason, God has put him in the highest place and has given him the name which is greater than every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee may be bent of those in heaven and those on earth and those in the underworld. And that every tongue may give witness that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So we're going to stop there. We may get there in our discussions. We may not, but that's okay. But we've read it. The Bible is just one of the most beautiful, beautiful books to read. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do, um, what we're going to do now is I'm going to begin to let's let me go through, let's take, uh, we'll take our declarations in a minute or so. But what I want you to think about is what jumps out at you from that reading. Now, it's a lot of text, 
But what you realize is the Holy Spirit will show you things. Even while we're talking now, he'll highlight things or a word will catch your attention or a phrase will catch your attention or something that was said or you'll realize, oh, so this is where this came from or this is where that came from. And it's one of the things that I enjoy doing it, um, when I'm reading the Bible. It makes it fun whereby you realize, oh, so this is where it came from. So that where that where that came from. And so the first thing I want you to notice, and this is just so that we fill time until we take our declaration is this. Um, the song we sing, especially on people's birthdays, we have a song that says, he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. You realize that this is where it came from. All right. So you realize that this is where it came from. It's one of those beautiful things. All right. So for those who wanted to know, um, the text is Philippians chapter one, reading all the way up to two verse 11. All right. So we're going to take our declaration in 30 seconds. And so let's get on to that. So let me just turn there. Um, okay. There it is. It's, they're fantastic. All right. And so we're going to take our declaration. We'll wait for exactly um, 7.14. And the reason being is this has spiritual significance. It's really important. This declaration is making a lot of difference. And so, ladies and gentlemen, let's do it together. Are you ready? Okay. It's in the chat for those that want to read along. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves. We pray and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. And the reason we say that, ladies and gentlemen, do not think that does nothing. Words are creative. And so all of us speaking all at once sends a message into the spirit. It's creative ability for God to do some amazing things in the world that we live in. And so let's jump into our, our Bible study. So let's, we're going to start at verse one. So back up to the beginning of, of chapter one, and then we'll work, we'll work from there. Um, this is going to be fun. Uh, sorry, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing. This is going to be fun. And so the first thing is that let's, the, the things that jumped out at me, and I'm going to quite go quite quickly, um, but let's have a look. The first one is you'll find in Philippians 1, reading up to verse 11, Paul, the first thing he says is, he says, I remember you. And what does he do? And what I want you to realize as we go through the book of Philippians um, there's one major theme. And so you can keep this as a, at the head of your notes and it is generosity. There's a generosity whereby somebody takes from what they have, whether it be little or whether it be much, and they put it at the disposal of the almighty God. And you see that throughout the book of Philippians. It's one of those wonderful, wonderful books. Um, and so the first thing we see is this, and, and I, I want you to keep this in mind. Notice from verse, first Paul says, this is who I'm writing to, but from verse two, he says, notice, what does he do? He starts praying. Now, what I want you to realize is, notice how he prays, he said, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the, the Lord Jesus Christ grace and peace. Let's keep that in mind. So when, when you come into the place of prayer, remember what you are presenting to people, what you're, especially if you're praying for others, your is such a powerful gift. And it's one of the first things that you can give to anybody, which is to pray for, to pray for people, especially people that have been kind to you, people that have done you well. And so what I want you to begin to realize is this. Let's put this in context. So let's understand why this is a demonstration of generosity. Paul, at this time, this particular letter is written from Rome. He has come to the end of his missionary journeys. He's in Rome presenting Christ 
to Caesar. That's the end of his journey. This is where he passes away. This is where Paul ends up. And he's now focused. So he's actually, he's under house arrest. He's allowed to stay in his own house and he's allowed to have his friends come to see him. You see this at the end of the book of Acts in Acts 28. You realize that he's allowed to have his friends with him. But what you begin to realize is he's under arrest. And he's also, um, because of what the way things were going, he also could be put to death. And he's sitting in that position. And what does he do for this particular group of believers? He sends a prayer. And I want you to realize it is one of the most generous things that you can do. Prayer is not the weak option. And I'll explain why it's not the weak option. I want you to, to imagine. I want you to keep this, this in mind. Whenever you lift a prayer up, who are we praying to? We are praying to God. And God is the God for whom nothing is impossible. Nothing at all. There is nothing that is impossible to God. Now, prayer connects you to the abilities of God. Now, let, let me use one scripture. I'll, I'll use a couple of others, but let me use one. One of, one of my favorites, I'll be honest with you. If you could turn in your Bibles, when it comes to prayer, turn to John chapter 14, and I'm going to read from 12 to 14. And what I want you to realize, notice what Paul does is he prays for his family. He prays for his group. He prays for a group of people that he led in. He's led to, led to the faith. Um, he's established a church there. He's made sure they're okay, and he's had to go away. He now, he literally, he prays for them. Now, listen, notice, come with me to John chapter 14. And I'm going to read John chapter 14, 12 to 14, but I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Classic Version. And the Bible says the following. This is Jesus speaking. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. He will do even greater things than these, because I go to the Father. And the Bible says the following, and I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. That is Jehovah, all that God the Father is. And the Bible says, so that the Father may be glorified and extolled in and through the Son. Verse 14. Now, please keep this verse in mind. Yes, I will grant. I myself will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name as presenting all that I am. So let's settle something. What's the first thing? So notice what does Paul do? He prays to the God who can make a difference in the life of the people he loves. So what I want you to begin to realize, ladies and gentlemen, the first thing we want to look at is this. Prayer is not a weak option. When Paul prays, he prays, and I'm, we're going to come to the motivation of prayer. He prays and he says, I remember you all the time. I keep you in mind. And there's a reason. And we're going to, it's in the first, um, the first verses. We're going to look at that in a minute. But I want you to keep this in mind. When you pray for someone, especially someone that is far away or somebody that's away from you or someone you care about, it's not the weak option. Why? Your prayers connect you with a God who can do everything. And I want you to keep that in mind. And so when we come to the place of prayer, we should come with the audacity of knowledge, knowing that if I ask my father for this, then this person will be fine. The reason I say that is when you pray and you step into the way Paul is praying, it's when you step into the place of intercession, whereby you are lifting up somebody else so that you're not just asking for your needs, you're saying, God, into this person's life, make a difference. And Paul does that. And notice, this is one of the most beautiful things about Christianity. Prayer knows no distance because God is everywhere at the same time. Please remember, this is, I want, just want to 
to nail this down. Paul explains that this is what I do. Now, when we come in the later weeks to look at when he breaks down prayer, he mentions it again, you'll realize that now it makes sense. Now we can connect two dots together. Now we know that when you say this, we know, because he realizes I may not get out of here. And so I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to pray for you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, let me just take the opportunity, because since we're talking about prayer, um, since we're talking about prayer, uh, um, I have a question. We will get there. We're on our way down to that. Lovely one. Um, we're going we're gonna to come down to that. Good question. I went, Because we're talking about prayer, let's take the advantage. I don't know what anybody, I don't know what everybody's going through, but let's say a prayer. And Father Almighty God, we ask in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm asking the Almighty God, that Father Almighty God, for every single person who is on this call, Father, they have lifted up many desires, many hopes, and many dreams, and many aspirations. Some of them are going through a really difficult time. Eternal Rock of Ages, we ask in the name of Jesus, whether their world is good or whether their world is challenging, I ask you to bless them. I ask you to not only answer their desires, I ask you to outrun their desires, and I ask you to do this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And ladies and gentlemen, grab that, say amen, and that's how, notice, I'm not where you are, but those prayers go to God, and God is where you are, and it is God who will answer. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you the very, God, may, I, and I believe there'll be testimonies simply because you came tonight. So that's one of the first things we see. But now let's also, let's break a couple of things down because Paul um, speaks about some very heartfelt things that we should realize. So let me go on from verse four. And the Bible says, and in all my prayers for you, all making my requests with joy, because of your help in giving the good news from the first day till now. For I am certain of this very thing that he who by whom the good work was started in you will make it complete till the day of Christ. Now, let me, let me let's put that in, in. If when you read that in the King James Version, you realize that when he said they offered him help, they supported him financially in the gospel. They, they sent food, they sent assistance, they sent money because he wasn't working and they supported him. And remember, they supported him when he wasn't famous. They supported him when he had just started. And notice what he does. He says, I always remember you in prayer. Now, please remember the fact. Prayer connects us to a God who does all things. So let's put that in. Now, let me put that in context. So what I want you to realize is, because he remembers them with a warm heart. And I'm going to give you an example. He remembers them with a very, very warm heart. And he remembers them because they were kind. And when you look at some of the fame, one of the most famous verses about being generous and giving, when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, reading from verses 7 down to verse 12, many times we stop at verse 8 because verse 8 is, is, is the amazing part. But when you get to verse 12, the outcome of an act of generosity is that a prayer of thanksgiving goes up to God on your behalf. Now, please keep this in mind. That means when you sow into someone's life, what does it do? That person, when they remember you, will lift you up in prayer and just commit you into the hands of the Lord. And I'll give you an example. Um, a long time ago, satellite navigation systems were not on phones. They were actually quite expensive and you had to buy them and put them into your car. And I remember trying to go, I remember trying to go into preach and I would have sheets of paper on one side and I'll be driving with one hand, trying to look at the piece of paper, all sorts of stuff. I got lost many times, you know, one of those things, great. And then for my birthday or for, um, yeah, I think it was must have been for my birthday. Somebody gave me a satellite navigation system. Now, I used it for the next maybe 
five to eight years. I just kept it. But I remember one particular day I was driving to Manchester and I put the, and I was driving to Cumbria to go and speak. And I put the satellite navigation system on and I had been driving for about an hour and I, and it was taking me all sorts of, you know, it saved me all sorts of time. And I remembered the person who gave it to me. I won't tell you his name. I remember the person who gave it to me and I started praying. I said, God, because of, Lord, I am able to do your work because of this gift. And I said, Father, send let this for every single time I go and preach. Let this person be blessed. Father Almighty God, and I, and I was praying, you know, remember him, remember him, remember him. And I was asking God to flood his life and so on and so forth. And this is the impact. Now, please keep in mind. So when you sow into somebody's life. The Bible says, and I'm, I'll go, I'll read it for you. The Bible says the outcome is that someone thanks God on your behalf. Now, this is where they notice they cannot repay you, but God can repay you. So let me make a statement and I want you to please remember it. Um, I want you to please remember it. And by the way, the, the reference that I'm talking about, I'll put it in the chat. I may not read it because of time, but I'll put it in the chat. I'm referring to, if you, you'll read from 2 Corinthians chapter nine, and if you read from seven all the way to 12, what it gives you is when you sow into the work of the Lord, or you sow into the life of somebody, or you sow into someone, what happens is a process begins. The last part of that process is in verse 12. And the Bible says, much thanksgiving goes to God. When the Bible says, if you put that against Psalm 50, verses 14 to 15, the Bible says when God receives thanksgiving like that, the next thing he does is deliver someone. And so I want you to begin to realize the outcome of your kindness will trigger a prayer and a prayer will move the God who is bigger than whatever you're going through on your behalf. And sometimes, and notice, Paul says it and he says, listen, you are with me at all times because of this act of kindness that you've given me. It's one of those beautiful, beautiful verses. And now what it does for us is this is where all of a sudden some of the things we do make sense. Because when you think of that triangle, you give to God or you give to someone and it moves the Lord and he responds. A very practical example, I won't turn there this evening because, um, but I would like you to keep in mind to see it in action. Have a look at 2 Kings chapter 4 and read from verse 8. 2 Kings 4, and read from verse 8. The Bible says, this, this is the, talking about the Shunammite woman and Elisha. The Bible says it was the gift that she gave to the Lord. The Bible says, what did the Lord do? The Lord stirred the heart of the prophet and he said, what should be done? And that triggered the miraculous season in that lady's life. Ladies and gentlemen, May all your gifts and your acts of kindness that you've scattered across so many people, may God, may they all cause a series of miraculous events to kick in because God receives a prayer of thanksgiving and he will respond with a blessing. May God be kind to you. Okay, so let me go on. So that, so you read that all the way up to verse 11. And so he prays for the the Philippians. Now, I want you to also remember, please keep this in mind, the journey of Christ, our journey as Christians, is done as a family. Why is it done as a family? Notice what Paul does. He prays for them, and he says, God, make their journey easy. Let them understand things. Let them understand you. Let them stay strong. And this is what I want you to begin to realize. This is the, one of the things that please keep in mind. Our journey as Christians is carried out 
in a hostile spiritual environment. And so one of the biggest, and we'll come, I'll come to that in a moment. I'll come to that um, in a moment. And this is what I want you to realize. The best gift you can give anybody who is a believer, trust me, we are all struggling at one point or the other, say a prayer for them because it moves God on their behalf. Okay. And so we see that in Paul. So let's move to the next section. So, we, so we've got past verse 11 and we've got past the outcome. So let's have a look at verses 12 to 24. And there's some very interesting phrases there. And the second level of generosity or the second level of giving, the second generosity that we see is this. There is a commitment in Paul first to Christ and then to the task that Jesus gives him. And I want you to keep this in mind. And so it's the second thing we now see. So he begins to read off and he begins to pray for them and he begins to explain his journey. Some things jumped out at me. One of them was that he was so focused that everything he did, everything he was experiencing, good and challenging, spoke about or promoted the journey of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is what I want, I, I want to, to, to lay down. You see, Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with God and it changes your life entirely. And so you begin to realize that one of the things that the, the next thing you see in Paul, he's listing a very difficult situation. He's in prison. But then the one I want to pick on is this. Let me read from verse 14. And he says, and most of the brothers in the Lord, taking heart because of my chains, are all the stronger to give the word of God without fear. Meaning that I'm in a challenging situation, but because I am sticking with it and I'm holding on to the God I believe, it's making other people courageous. So let me put it in context. Your story, wherever you are, your walk with Christ, somebody else needs to hear you. Someone who sits next to you on a bus, somebody who sits next to you at work, somebody around the corner, someone in your group, someone in your connect group, somebody needs to hear that you are walking with Christ because it will motivate them. It is so, it is so, so encouraging. And it's the power of a testimony. And it's not so much that I just want to, you know, I want to give a testimony so I am visible. No, you give testimonies, especially to those around you who are going through what you are going through, you give testimonies so that they can be strengthened. And he says, because someone can see me go through something, they themselves are encouraged. Um, and you don't know how much it means to people when they hear that you have gone through things. And so let, let me, I'm going to make fun of myself. So, so enjoy it. Um, I, I'll use myself to, to exemplify it. I was speaking in Scotland um, recently, and, and this is what I want you to realize. And I'll, I'll explain a bit more in a moment, but let me give you the example. I was speaking in Scotland and I was speaking to a men's ministry and I began to tell them my journey. And so I have an accent of the way I speak it really doesn't portray what my life was like before I met Jesus Christ. I've been through a, <laughs> an interesting journey. And so I began to tell them about some of the things I've gone through, some of the things that, you know, I about growing up, about going through a level of suffering, going through a level of lack, um, believing, you know, I, I don't sound like it. And so it, 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 I, I really, I laugh, it makes me laugh. And so I began to tell my story. And to, to give you an idea, I remember I asked somebody that, where do you think I went to school? And he said, he's actually quite a famous person. And he said that, oh, I'm sure you went to a, something like an Oxford or a Cambridge. And I laughed and I said, the first time I saw the inside of a school like that was when I took my children. And, the, and he cracked up. So when I told him where I went to school, which was two streets away from where he went to school, his eyes were like saucers. And that happened to me in Scotland. 
And I began to tell them some of the things we had gone through about moving houses, going through difficulties, God bringing us through different seasons of lack and stuff like that. And I, I, was, I, I was just telling my story. After I finished, I was on the break. Four people came into the office. And one gentleman sat in front of me and he said, please, can you pray for me? And I said, why? He said, I would never have believed it that you've gone through all this. And he said, I'm stronger now. Ladies and gentlemen, believe me, notice Paul was not articulating everything was great. Just holding on. And this is what the essence of resilience is. Why? Because your journey with Christ is not a, I will do what you want if you give me. Your journey with Christ is a relationship. Your relationship is with a God who not only holds tomorrow, but he's in absolute control. And Paul had made up his mind and he said, I'm only going to see things from the perspective of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said, when I do that, it strengthens people around me. He talks about, you know, people preaching Christ, some from a good heart, some from a not so good heart. But notice, he doesn't tear them down. And I think some, some of us who live on Twitter have to take that, that perspective that, you know what, Christ is being preached irrespective. That's all not turning around and saying, oh, you know what? This person didn't do it right. This person, no, no, no. The essence is Jesus is being preached and we don't have enough of it. And so we celebrate whoever does it. And remember the Holy Spirit is in absolute control. He sees something and the way he articulates life, he says, you know what? It's not that I'm not going through a tough time, but I trust Jesus. Now, this is also the thing I want to get to, and this is what I had an earlier question, because he comes to a famous verse and he says, for me to live is Christ and death is profit. Now let's talk about this and let's talk about it honestly. Honestly, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Bible says that when a believer passes away, it is not an end in and of itself. It is a transition. And so something that I want us to realize, notice this is where our perspective on Jesus Christ has to be adjusted a bit. And it's this, Paul was focused on eternity, not the present, because here you have maybe 70, 80, if you really are tight, 100. It, that's, that's between you and your mighty. But the essence is eternity is forever. And the life here is focused on eternity. So all of a sudden, when you put things in perspective, you realize it actually doesn't matter if you gain eternity and you have an eternity with God. And so notice what he says. And this is what I want you to realize. The Bible, you don't, it's not that, this is his relationship with God that, Lord, I would not be here if it was not for you. And one of the things that, so when he says that for me to live, for me to die, for me to live is Christ. That means if I'm going to live, I'm going to, the message of Jesus Christ is going to be in all my words, my thoughts, my actions. So me being at work, me, and that's not just standing on a pulpit preaching. That's just wherever I go in Tesco's, wherever I go, when I'm having my car washed, when I'm having my car, uh, when I'm buying anything, when I'm speaking to anybody, when I'm answering an, uh, a response I, when, uh, from an, a website, whatever you're doing, you must remember the way you behave should speak of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you do that without preaching. And I'm, I'll, I'll give you an example because it's a, nice way to, it's a nice way to wrap it up. But I also want you to realize, he said, that means if I'm living, I'm going to push to Christ. But if I die, now remember, Paul at that time was under a sentence of death. He could, he could have, they could have taken his life for what he had decided to do, appeal to Caesar. He could have lost the appeal and then he could have been executed. 
But the bottom line was, he said, if I do leave this world, I am, this is not the end for me. I have a life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me put this in context before I, get, before I give you the example, and I won't lose the example. Before I give you the example, please think about John 3.16. The Bible says, and I'll read it, and I'll read it from the Bible in basic English so that we are, we're, we're all together. John 3.16. And what I want you to realize is this is true. The Bible says, for God had such love for the world that he gave his only son so that whoever has faith in him may not come to destruction, but have eternal life. That means, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are going to live. To, and please, what you, I want you to realize is this will change your perspective on your today because you realize your audience is God your destination is eternity and this is where you see and it's this is the the second level the second thing about generosity the generosity that we're speaking about this is giving your life set to christ to say lord i am your vessel now that doesn't mean you buy a brown robe buy a pair of sandals and move to tibet no what it means is when you go to work in Goldman Sachs, sharp Italian suit, lovely ties, whatever you do, wearing the Jimmy Choo's, your actions, your words, your thoughts, your personality, your responses, they preach the message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And many times you do that without knowing it. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. I. I was going through a pretty traumatic season. We, we had lost um, a baby and I lost my son. And when I say lost, he had gone to, gone to heaven. He had gone to be with the Lord. Um, but he was, that was at, pretty much at his birth. We were in the middle of praying for my wife's life and health. And I went to go and register his death. And I went and I had my earphones in and the Lord had brought a peace to me that, He's safe with me. It's all right. And everything was working out. He had given me that peace. That is for a sermon on another day. So I sat in the Chelsea and Westminster Register of Births and Deaths. And I sat down and I, you know, I put my earphones on and I was just worshiping God. I think, and this is something else. Whenever you're going through a difficult time, God will give you a song. Well, God gives me a song. And at that particular time, it was... Everything belongs to you. Um, oh, this this man's wife, Demita Haddon. I think that's right. And it, it 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 was stuck in my spirit. It was stuck, and so I had it on repeat. And I was I had my earphones in, and so I went to go and register my son's death. I noticed first. I sat in a general room. I saw someone come out and start looking because I had an appointment. And I was waiting for them to call my name. And then first a gentleman came out, and then a lady came out, and then a gentleman came out again. And he tapped me on the shoulder. And I said, oh, hello. And, and he said, are you th this? And I said, yes, I am. So, okay, come with me. Now, I didn't know that they had a special room for those who were bereaved. <laughs> they took me into a room. And no offense, sadness was written all over it. It was, I mean, it, it, it freaked me out. Thank God I wasn't there for very long. And I walked in, the registrar lady, lovely Asian lady was sitting in front of me and she began to ask me the details. What was your, did you name the baby? And she was very gentle about it. Did you name the baby? I said, yes, this is his name. Um, I'll never forget his name. Is, we, we had named him Jedidiah um, and, and two other beautiful names. And then she said, what do you do? I said, no, she said, um, you know, what was his name? Then she said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a minister, I'm a youth minister. She stopped typing. She looked up and she said, no wonder. And then she looked down and she kept typing. You have to realize your testimony will be at its largest when under intense pressure, you can present Christ 
to a broken world. And you will do it simply by living. And Paul says, this is what I'm going through. And he says, there are tough parts of my journey. And what he presents to them is that, listen, life as a Christian is going to be played out in a hostile spiritual environment. That means there will be some things that are going to be nightmarish. But you know what? God is still in absolute control. And listen, the beautiful thing is as we roll through, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause and I'm going to take questions. So when you read, I'll stop at this phrase. When you read the phrase that for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain, what is he saying? That, listen, I now have a reason to be here. And so let me speak to that. And then I'll take questions. By the time I was 20, I had done a very, very good job of trying to destroy my life. I had, done a, I, I had tried. I had done everything. Everything barring drugs. Um, when, so I came from an African household. So when my father said, if you come home to this household drunk or on drugs, I will kill you. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a promise. And I believed my father. But the deal was this. I tried everything. My, by 20 years old... I mean, I was a scary individual, both to myself and to other people. When I met Jesus Christ, I didn't expect much. But I'll never forget laying down on September the 12th, 1987. And for the first time in 20 years, I slept well. No trouble. I felt a peace that has not left me for the last 35 years. So you know what? I, it's too late for me. I, I can't but do what I do. Didn't Doesn't matter what, what, whether I'm doing it on a pulpit, and thank you for your kind attention, or I'm doing it, you know, programming computers, which I enjoy doing, or I'm doing it while I'm doing DIY, which I love doing, or caring for other people. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter whether I'm in the line at Tesco's. At the end of the day, my life belongs to Jesus Christ, because in all sincerity, I was a dead person waiting to leave this planet. Now, that is how you have to live. I'm now living the life that Jesus, huh? the life that Jesus has given again. This is a second chance. So what did Paul say? He said, if I'm alive, this is all good. But I have an assurance that if I die at the line of life and death, I will not go alone. And Jesus will be there to meet me and when I hit whatever hits comes on the other side, I'm good. Why? Because Jesus has gone and has come back and he's come to take me. So that is Paul's, main, Paul's idea. But notice, notice his focus. He says, for me, I can go and be with Jesus and it's square. But if I'm here, then my focus must be to make somebody else better than when I found them. And that ladies and gentlemen, is what he really means. And he believes it. And it is when you are squeezed, we will know what is on your inside. And that's what it means to, it's a relationship with God that is all pervasive. And so it is not spooky. We live for eternity. And nowadays, you know, everything is microwave. You know, you've got a microwave. I want everything instantly. Hear me well. God is taking you on a journey and he's in absolute control. So this is what Paul presents. And it's one of the beautiful things about Philippians. And so that's when you see that phrase, it's not weird. It is until you hear somebody's journey that you realize that everything they are is wrapped up. We only have it because of Jesus Christ. I mean, for me, I mean, seriously, I mean, what? <laughs> There's no way you would be listening to me without Jesus Christ. Not, I mean, seriously, you cannot imagine what I was like. You can't. It is actually quite frightening. One person in Jesus' house knows, one or two people. And he said to me a few years ago, he said, they don't know your story, do they? And I laughed. I said, no, they don't. And I started smiling. But ladies and gentlemen, what am I saying? Christianity is played out in a hostile spiritual environment. But Jesus said, I've overcome it. You will not lose out. And so Paul says, 
Everything I see is Christ. I can see it working. This is where you see Romans 8.28 in action. All things work together for my good because I love the Lord and I am the called according to his purpose. It has to be true. And what you do is you say it over yourself and in difficult times, it will come back to you. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stop there for a moment. Um, I'm very humbled with all the comments I'm getting, I'm humbled. I have, it, it's not that I'm famous, but you know what? Sometimes we have to put it out in, in simple honesty. And when I read this, when I read this, um, this book and began to prepare this study, it reminded me that we are living for eternity. Don't give up. Keep praying for your loved one. Believe me, a turning point will come and it will pay off. Keep praying. Whoever you're believing God for to come to Christ, keep praying. It's worth it. Don't give up. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, oh wow, we've got to, we've got seven minutes left. Um, we'll start from chapter two next week, but any questions? Um, any questions, ladies and gentlemen, don't give up. Don't give up. Do not think that your prayers are not working. Do not think your prayers are not working, because in all sincerity, sometimes you're praying for someone and you may not have seen them. I didn't see my foster mother for 30 years. The day I saw her, her daughter came in and her daughter came in and she was wearing a Salvation Army uniform. And I said to myself, no wonder, somebody was praying for me. Conversion doesn't come if someone is not lifting it up before the Lord. Somebody was praying for me, I mean praying. And so hear me well, this is why Pray for everybody around you. Pray for your family. Pray for your workmate. Don't think prayer is a weak option. Because in all sincerity, it's making a difference. Trust me, God will turn it around. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, we've got about six minutes. Let's take questions. Let's wrap it up. Anything that you feel that you want to raise, um, thank you very much for the person that asked the question about verses 21. Um, let's keep going. So any questions, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll start from chapter two next week. All right, I've got, you can put it in the chat. Please put them in the chat. It's, that's the best way to do it rather than trying to unmute yourself. Just put them in the chat. It will be great. Um, any questions? And we will take you from there. Otherwise, it, I can, while, while if, if, if not, let's wrap it up like this. And, and what I want you to, what I want you to, to realize is as we come, as you read this book in the book of Philippians, and I want to say this for anybody who's going through a difficult time, God will never leave you. He said so. And so just like Paul said, he said, you know what? I know that you're going to be facing a lot. So I'm going to pray. And notice what he says. He says, have no fear. Don't be afraid of those who are against you. Stick with it. And he said, fight the same fight you saw in me and now have word of me. What's that fight? The fight is the fight of faith. Okay, well, I've got a question. Um, when you're trying to walk in the way of the Lord and stumble at a moment's notice, is it as simple as to ask for forgiveness and continue along the journey of strengthening your relationship with God? Great question. Is it as simple as asking for forgiveness and continuing? Let me say this. Yes. First John 1, 8 and 9 is true. First John 1, 8 and 9 is true. The, and I'll read it for you. Um, 1 John 1, 8. Um, sorry, I, I, I want to put it in my Bible. Okay. First John 1. The Bible says the following. If we say we have no sin, we are false to ourselves and there is nothing true in us. If we say openly that we have done wrong, he is upright and true to his word, giving us forgiveness of sins and making us clean from all evil. So let, let, let's, let's put it in context. When you make a mistake and you go to Jesus and you say, forgive me, he will forgive. He will forgive you. And he will, um, he will forgive you and he will take away 
anything that makes you unrighteous. He will do so because he paid for it on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says when God, when he paid for our sins, he didn't just pay for the sins we committed up to the time we came to meet him, but he paid for our sins eternally. And that means every time we go back, we can be forgiven. What's the challenge? The Bible says when we go to him, we have to repent. Now, repentance means change your thinking. Identify the cause of the problem. Apply the truth found in the Bible and change the way you think, killing the cause that led you to sin. Many of us just go and grab forgiveness and we move on. But what does God want you to do? Pause for a moment because he's not going to kill you. What he wants you to say is this went wrong because of this. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, grow, I, I had a temper. I'm, I'm going to um, I've got two questions. I'm going to answer both. So please hold on. Um, I, I had it. Yeah, I've got a temper. I, I can't flare up. And when it comes to my family or anybody that's very close to me, I have that tendency. Now, um, I, I defend people. That's what I do. Win, lose or draw. That's how I am. I don't always do it right. And the moment I lose my temper, and I remember there was one day in the office, I, I was talking to a person. It was very calm until the guy said something about a girl and the lady was defending him and he was talking absolute rubbish I, <laughs> I asked her to leave I mean I went ballistic you could hear my voice from across that brain cross I went mental and when I finished I said bad Joe I knew that I screwed up so what do I do I realized that before I start even though I'm passionate about something I pray and I say God you know what you've got to help me this matters to me, but I need to promote you. It's not about me. It is about you. No matter how passionate I am about it, I have to promote you. And then you ask for help. And the Bible says, how does the Holy Ghost help me? Romans 5 verse 5. He poured out a love into my heart that even when I want to get angry, I, I try and I can't. But there are days when I can. But you know what? I try and I can't. And so it allows Christ to come out in my words and my thoughts and my actions. What I want you to realize is repentance means change your mindset. Change your mindset. That's what happens. And then this, the next time you come around, it will get easier. But just keep going. The one thing I want you to remember keep that in mind change your mindset is it that simple yes it is there is a scripture that will fix whatever caused the problem okay guys we're at eight but i want to answer one more question which part of god's character what truth keeps you hoping and praying when reality and truth are so far apart wow what part of god's character keeps me going it is this it is that fact that God is faithful to his word and that the word, even though, even though my circumstances don't agree, what keeps me faithful is that God will keep his word over and above my circumstances. God is not going to break his reputation. He says, if I said it, I'll keep it. That keeps me going. The fact that God is faithful to his word. Therefore, if I hold on to his word, it will eventually turn and I'll see it happen in my world. And let me explain. Let me say this as we close out. I've seen God do that. And let, let me give you, let me give you, give you an example. Um, there have been times where, okay, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I remember Oh, let, let, I, I, I want to pick something. I don't want to try and present myself as, as anything famous. Um, oh, okay. Yes. One of the areas of my life that I've fought with is confidence. Um, growing up, I, I ended up with very little confidence and self-assurance. But it was very interesting that after I became a Christian, that God would reassure me. And he would say that, no, no, this is what you're here for. This is what you're here for. This is what you're here for. And I will start believing it. And sometimes it will go up. Sometimes it will go down. 
And I remember one day, um, and it was early this year, and I was talking to, I, I started doing Instagram posts and I thought everybody would just trash them. I was stunned at the response. And I could hear the Holy Ghost saying that I told you. And he wasn't saying it rudely, it's that I told you, just keep going. Hear me well, what keeps me, what keeps me going is because God is faithful to his word. I look at my life and I laugh that, are you serious? This is bad Jack saying, no, no, I laugh. And so what keeps, what element of his character? It's his faithfulness. God will keep his word. If he makes you a promise, he'll stick with it. And remember, the power to get it done is in him. Scripture to back that up. Isaiah 55 verse 11. Second one, Psalms 119 verses 49. God will keep his word. And so that keeps me hoping. And then I've seen his word come to pass. Sometimes years later, sometimes in my life, sometimes in other people's life, some, and around me. That is what keeps me going. So ladies and gentlemen, may God keep you going. May God be kind to you today. And may you have the most amazing week. God bless you. We are four minutes over. I sincerely apologize, but God will be kind. See you next week. We'll jump into chapter two. I'm sure it's going to be a fun um, discussion. Okay. All right, guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. God bless you.